Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is Sarah. Hey, geeks. All right, so Sarah, we are capping off our Iron Man trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've been wanting a dose of Tony Stark or two, you know, wow, well, a dose or two of Tony Stark, then, you know, we've managed to get three in a relatively <laughs> short period of time, by the way. Yeah. We've just been banging these out. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, knocking out all these MCU movies as we get closer to Endgame, which is really, uh, what, it's uh, what, six, weeks, no, yeah. 15 days away. Comes Lord, out the, and also, we uh, got Game of Thrones coming up, too, in a few Game days. Of like, like four days, I believe. Yes, four days. And then Hellboy comes out this weekend. Like, it is just going to be a ton of stuff to watch. Yeah, there's a lot to watch. So, uh, we have a lot to get to, obviously. We've got the review for this movie, but we also have some other stuff. And uh, Geek Speak, uh, we need to talk about the new Lion King trailer. They just dropped today. Yeah, just dropped today. So, the first uh, trailer, like the kind of teaser trailer that dropped uh, about four months ago, I believe, it was uh, very iconic. It it was like the opening scene of the original animated movie. Yeah. And it looked really good. I mean, it, it's very Gorgeous. realistic. If you liked, like, if you liked the, um, the Jungle Book that came out, I think, what, two or three years ago and was directed by Jon Favreau and it was... It was it was very uh, well received critically. It made a lot of money at the box office. Uh, anybody that I talked to that watched that movie really enjoyed it. And the realism in that movie of the of the animals it was astounding. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, just how realistic. How far we've come. Yeah, and so like you can't barely tell anymore. Yeah, I mean there was a a, a little bit of uh, I don't want to say. There was an attempt at times to give some of the animals a little more expressions and and maybe mm-hmm. a little more of an animated feel, but not a lot. I mean, you could definitely tell the animals that they were and that they looked extremely realistic. And I liked the movie. Uh, my wife liked the movie. It was very, very good. And we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves when we saw it. So... Uh, John Favreau, oddly enough, who directed the first and second Iron Man movie, it, in Iron Man movies, uh, directed, of course, that movie, and he is directing The Lion King. And I'll tell you what, this trailer blew me away. It He's going to make a lot of money. It is. I mean, look, there there is a there's a lot of discussion online. At least, well, at least some discussion online. You know, some people said, "Well, you know, this looks too realistic. I don't like how everything looks realistic. It, it's." It's not the same. It's not like the the animated movie, um, and and I understand all of that. Like I, I'm not expecting to go in and just suddenly find myself saying, "Well, you know, I I'll never watch the Disney movie ever again because why why even do that? You know, this is the only movie that matters." It's, I'm not look. No one thinks. No matter. That. No how, one could possibly think that. Even if this is considered a masterpiece of a movie, and I I'm not saying that it will be, but. Even if it were, my love and a lot of people's love for the original 1994 movie, which came out when I was 12 years old, um, it will always be there. You know, this isn't going to replace it. But in this retelling and with the realism and I, w- I want to see what they do with it. I want to see if I walk out of the movie theater affected in a similar way in which I was when I saw the uh, original animated movie back uh, all these years ago. So 25 years ago. So um, this trailer is just looks astounding. Apart from the realism, uh, it 
it just looks highly polished. Uh, Scar, I mean, uh, the only complaint that I have, and this literally is the only complaint that I have thus far, I haven't even seen the movie yet, and the only thing that I can honestly say that I'm a little underwhelmed by was Scar's voice. I mean, it's just, I, I really wish they would have brought back Jeremy Irons. Yeah, or somebody with a like a deeper voice, something a little more like like in American Gods, Jaquel, his the guy who played him, his voice would be perfect. Just, I mean, Jeremy Irons, like the gravitas in his voice. I mean, it, yeah. it just you you can't like replace that voice with just anybody. And I'm not really at least, and it could grow on me. Don't get me wrong. Is a very limited amount of dialogue from his character so far. So who knows? Once you go see the movie, maybe you'll feel differently. But at least at this point, I'm not entirely happy with that. However, I mean, we have so much um, amazing stuff in this trailer. We have the wildebeest stampede. We have uh, Simba running from the wildebeest. We have Scar, you know, pacing back and forth um, on top of the cliff, just like he did in the original movie. Uh, we, we even get to see Timon and Pumbaa singing, <laughs> singing, and it is so adorable, a little, little meerkat on top of the hog. And, it's just, and even that iconic, um, the, uh, the scene in, in the original animated movie where we see the, the transition in time where Simba is a little cub and he's walking right behind Timon and uh, uh, Pumbaa, Pumbaa, and in uh, times going by, and we see, you know, become a big cat, and, and right, and we turn he turns from a, a cub into a full adult, and we see that, and it, it just looks just amazing. I, I love this trailer. What did you think of this trailer? Oh, it's like it's so fantastic. It's so realistic. Like, man, just like watching like when Scar's like approaching. Um, hit Simba and um, oh oh my goodness, blanking on the other name. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But the two cubs and like just watching like they got the ears. You know how a cat would you know who's <laughs> getting cornered. Like it's so accurate. Yep. It looks so good. Like my heart's just like oh my god, don't hurt them. Even though I know what's gonna happen, but the fact that it makes you feel that and like that means their expressions are just dead on and they're not overwhelming they're like it's not in the eyes it's in like the ears and which is what you know would be in a cat and yeah. it's very well done yeah i'm I'm really impressed so far and uh i can't wait to see it so i believe it comes out in july so uh i think it's like july 5th maybe i think also the day after stranger things something like that and it's july 4th uh but man i will be in the theaters that weekend to see it uh if stranger things if it's, on this, if it's coming out on the same day as stranger things uh you're gonna have a busy day sorry i i don't know if i can i i think stranger things can take precedence i hate to say it but uh but anyway uh it's a great trailer uh, if you haven't seen it go check it out yeah, but it's amazing uh all right so my recommendation for this week is fleabag season two so um Fleabag came out uh, about three years ago, and it was one of those shows. It was on, it was on Amazon Prime, and everybody that I talked to, I said, "You have to watch this show. This show is hilarious." The woman who stars in the show, she's a playwright. She is hilarious. She is crass. She, she, her, her comedy will just—you'll be in tears. Uh, but then it also make you cry as well. I mean, there's a lot going on in this show, and I, I, I told everybody that I knew you watch this show, you're going to love it. And uh, Fleabag Season 2 just came out, just dropped uh, yesterday, and uh, I watched it, and it is amazing. I mean, they really outdid themselves. In fact, this is the series finale. So, it only goes two seasons. Um, I think in part because the the playwright is... The, the actress is in such high demand now that I think apart from just having a difficult time having the time to write this show, I just think that uh, there's so many other opportunities that she she now has. But 
but Fleabag is it's a weird name for a show, right? But don't be put <laughs> off by the name. And the actress that plays her, the the writer actress is Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge. <laughs> um, she also is was the the showrunner for a uh, another show that came out. I believe I recommended it uh, last year. It was called Killing Eve, and it's a it's a show that uh, is about a woman who ends up figuring out that all these killings in Britain are from a female serial killer. And she's like an analyst and she feels like she's the, the one that can maybe catch her, but there's so much more to it than that. And and she's like, she was like the, the showrunner slash uh, script uh, writer for season one. So that's a great show too. So she's, she's in high demand. She's really, really good. So check out, uh, if you haven't checked out Fleabag yet, start with season one. If you get to the end, I guarantee you'll want to go on to the next season immediately. It's on, uh, man, my voice. It's on Amazon, you said? Yes, it's on Amazon. Yeah. So if you have Amazon Prime, definitely check it out. Um, (laughs) I was, yeah, I can't even talk about the opening scene. I can't. (laughs) I can't. Just watch it. Yes, you just have to, because <laughs> you're gonna be like, "Oh wow, okay." So <laughs> this is one. It's one of those. So gotcha. All right. Uh, anyway, moving on here, let's get into the uh, core of what this episode is about, which is Iron Man three. So uh, Iron Man three was released on May second, two thousand thirteen. It was written by Shane Black and Drew Pierce. It was also directed by Shane Black. It has a runtime of uh, two hours and ten minutes, and it was a, had a budget of two hundred million dollars with a box office of four hundred nine point zero three million domestic, eight hundred five point seven nine three or seven nine seven million foreign for a grand total of one point two one four billion. Uh, that's the global haul. I mean, it. That's it, a pretty penny. It made its money back and then some. Like fivefold. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite a bit. I mean, even if you doubled the budget for you know advertising and whatnot, I mean, you're still looking at a at a film that you know made yeah. you about eight hundred million dollars. So the cast is, of course, Robbie Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Don Cheadle, Guy Pearce, Rebecca Hall, and Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley, by the way. Yes, yes, he's wonderful. Yes, 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 he is. He's um, like one of my favorite actors to watch. Oh, the guy can do anything. He can oh, do yeah. anything. Um, all right, so Sarah, what is your one sentence review for Iron Man 3? All right, I wrote that Iron Man 3 is a good step forward from Iron Man 2 with some twists, legitimate concerns for our characters, with real weight to consequences, and an all around very good film with repaired pacing. Okay. Uh, mine is why not perfect by any stretch. Iron Man three manages to rinse the bad taste of Iron Man two from your mouth. Yes, so. <laughs> I think that's exactly what we're getting at. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, with Iron Man two, um, you know, there was a lot of good things in Iron Man two that uh, had they concentrated on those, we both agreed that it could have been a special movie. Yeah, but it just. It wasn't. There's a, a lot of missteps in that movie. There are some missteps here in this movie, but they are not nearly as egregious. It's severe. And, and there's a lot of really good stuff yeah. uh, to talk about. All right. So the plot synopsis for this, uh, basically, um, this movie centers around uh, Tony Stark in the aftermath of the Avengers uh, Battle of New York. Yep. And his basically his his near death experience that he uh, suffered there, and he's getting to him. right, he's getting to him. He's basically suffering from PTSD. Yes. He has panic attacks, and he's simply trying to find a way to deal with all of the things that he saw and all the things he experienced, and trying to come to terms with who he is now post Battle of New York. Unfortunately, there is a terrorists out there called the mandarin who uh nobody can seem to find and he is coming after tony stark so that of course new villain yep 
That's basically which I kind of alluded to the whole time, but yeah, yeah. So that's basically it. So uh, let's jump into the script. Right. So Sarah, what do you think? What do you think works about this script? What are the positives? What are the things that really um, work in its favor? Yeah, you know, I think there's actually quite a bit about the script that I think works in its favor. Mm-hmm. You know, they put in that they, you know, when he in his past, they brought his past and uh, connect with the present with um, Ald- Eldridge. Aldrich. Aldridge. I always pronounce it wrong. Aldridge, um, you know, having run into him and tried to pitch him an idea back when he was the old Tony. nerdy. <laughs> Nerdy looking. I'm going to say that oh, okay. as nice as possible. And it was uh, the, it was the old Tony, the the before Iron Man one Tony Stark. Yes. So yeah, so where Tony was still like a complete dick to everybody. Pretty <laughs> much. Didn't really care. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he basically just mocks him and humiliates him, and it ties into the future where you know it, it comes back to kind of haunt him and. Yeah, makes quite a few uh let's say obstacles for tony to overcome along with having tino cope with his ptsd that he's just pouring into his work his relationship is suffering with pepper whatever and it's just it's really good script writing all around like when you tie stuff together and make everything just kind of connect and work like that makes a good movie Sure. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of things to like about the script. I, I do think that centering on uh, Tony's, af- you know, his um, mental state after the Avengers and the Battle of New York, I think was, first of all, it's it's good organic storytelling. Yeah, it feels you know, like something that would happen. Right. So, you know, we're only talking about a matter of months since those events. And to have this movie take place a matter of months and not have any after effects would feel disingenuous. You know, it, it it just, it wouldn't make any sense. You know, there has to be some aftermath. And of all the characters that I feel like who would be shaken to the core from those events, it would be Tony uh, because he's somebody that doesn't have the power of a God like Thor or, you know, the super or the, um, the super soldier serum that Captain America does, you know, like the only people that might be able to maybe relate would be uh, Black Widow, Natasha. Yeah, Natasha. You know, so anybody else for the most part has superpowers or or is, or is a god or something. So they're not going to be affected like Tony is. He's just a man. He just happens to have uh, a lot of money and armor. A, yeah, armor, a supreme intellect, and that's it. So what really works about the script, I think, is A, centering on that. B, um, taking the Iron Man suit from Tony Stark. You know, because a character like Tony can begin to rely on that armor. And in this movie, he is put into a situation where he doesn't have the ability to just wear the armor. It's kind of like, it's almost like a little bit of a taste of the winter soldier Mm -hmm. in that you see Tony running around doing like a little bit of infiltration and hopping over walls and, you know, just spycraft in a way, you know, I mean, in the Tony way, I mean, he's obviously not a trained spy, but I mean, it's, it's him on the fly trying to solve problems without being able to just rely on the Iron Man, uh, you know, armor. And, you know, the ability to fly and, and all the other things he can do with it. So I think that's great. Um, I, I I appreciated the attempt to give Pepper a little more to do in this movie rather than just be a character that just sits on the sidelines all the time. I, I think it was a valid attempt to make her a little more central to the storyline. Obviously, given that her and uh, Tony are in a relationship. Um, she could have just been reduced to more or less kind of what she was in the first two movies. She, she didn't have a huge role in in the first movie. She had a little bit bigger role in the second movie. And then in the third movie, it feels like they tried to really amplify the role and also create some tension between Tony. There was some of that in the second movie, which I thought was good. And in this one, it's further 
compounded by the fact that they are now actually in a relationship, but now, you know, Pepper wants him to to take a step back from Iron Man and basically telling him like this isn't important anymore. Like you don't need the Iron Man armor. Um You don't need an army of Iron Man. True. Right, exactly. Um and so there's a major focus on Tony in this movie, and I it's to its credit uh that it's taking a lot of time to examine everything that Tony's gone through and present him with that question. Who am I now? Do I need Iron Man? What, what am I without the armor? And that's a good question that Tony should be asking himself at this point. Um, so uh, I do want to say something though. I mean, there are other positives too here, but let me talk about something that I really hated. And I think it's, I think you could argue that out of all the actions in the MCU's history, Tony giving out his address, and like, like, okay, yeah, dumb you, you're, you're dealing with, you're dealing, this, this is partially why I, I, I'm, and I'm, I know, look, I'm, I'm not saying like I'm done talking about the good stuff in the script, but I, I do need to mention this because what comes out of it is good. The problem is the actual action itself is stupid um so here we have tony who's suffering from panic attacks and nightmares from the battle of new york he's waiting for the next shoe to drop every single day right he's not sleeping uh he's not eating well he's not taking care of himself he's constantly stressed out because he's he's waiting for the something else to attack and for him to have to protect himself and pepper so you know you're thinking all right fine. I understand where he's coming from. So then he just decides, you know what, I'm going to give my address out to the Mandarin. What? The, the number one terrorist that's been haunting you for a long time. Well, it's not just like, that. Like, you, you're telling him, more or less, come after me, you idiot. Like, you bring it. Bring it. Um, here's my address. Let's let's sit down, mano y mano, and, and hash this out. So we call it, a mental break. That's <laughs> all I can figure because it doesn't make any sense. So then the Mandarin attacks, right? It destroys his his home. Um, Pepper gets hurt. And... Pepper gets hurt. Um, uh, well, that's Rebecca Hall. Uh, it's uh, yeah. What's her name? I can't think of her name right now. Uh, Maya. You know, yes. like they could have died. They all of them could have died. You know, yeah, in fact, just because he did that, right? And in fact, Pepper is saved by Tony by Tony throwing the armor on her, and she comes back and gets Tony out of there. So, and Maya survives. But you know, that's the thing. It's just it's such a stupid action. And yes, what comes out of it is that Tony manages to um, get away. And yes, okay, fine. He's put in a situation where he can't use his armor, which forces him to rely on his brains and his wit and his ability to improvise. And that's when the movie gets into asking some difficult questions and that's great. But I think how we get there in this script is stupid. It is, it is easily as far as I can, I can recall the dumbest single decision that I've ever seen in any of these MCU movies, because it doesn't make any sense. It's like, you know, (laughs) it's like, bully at school that that weighs like four times you your weight who could beat you to a pulp in like three seconds and you not only do you give him the, your address but you also leave the door open in your house you're sitting up in your room with the door open you open up the front door you let him in to kick your <laughs> ass it's like it doesn't make any sense so yeah it, it's it, man yeah. it's it's just the dumbest thing you could do because like also forget having like this evil villain who's going to come after you. Yeah. There's enough crazy people out in the world who, with your address, you know, going to cause you turmoil. It's not just the really bad guys. It's people themselves. Like it's amazing that the Mandarin got there first and there wasn't a crowd of people at his home, you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we have that situation to deal with. Uh, in this movie where you have, you know, Tony committing this stupid act and then barely escaping. And then now he's off 
by himself. He can't contact Pepper. Everyone thinks he's dead. And he's now going to try to, you know, do the best he can without the capabilities of Iron Man. So that's great. He meets a uh, young boy, this kind of precocious young boy. Um, it's my favorite relationship is the, the it, friendship it, between these two. And honestly, you know, it's one of those we've seen the, you know, precocious child thing a lot in movies. Mm-hmm. And there's a big risk in this because oftentimes the child comes across as being a little too precocious and it it doesn't work. Oftentimes you just kind of roll your eyes thinking, okay, kid, I know you're smart, but come on, this is a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, it does work. And it, it's a credit to, you know, obviously Robert Downey Jr. And uh, the, the kid, uh, I think, what is his name? Oh God. I think Ty Simpkins, is it Ty Simpkins? I think, I believe. Uh, yes, Ty uh, Simpkins. That's the actor. You beat me. <laughs> yep. So um, it's a credit to them. They they found a way to really you know form this bond and and it translates uh, on the screen. It's great. I, I like it. It's uh, it's witty. It's snappy, and uh, it just works. So credit there as well. Uh you know, Happy Hogan gets a a bigger role. He almost dies. In this movie, I think that was actually a good thing, just a, a way of showing that a happy is just a guy. Yeah, it's no superpowers there, but he's just awesome and hilarious. Well, he also provides a spark for uh, Tony. Yeah, you know, uh, having happy almost die is kind of what you know, Tony. Uh, See, Tony doesn't um, value that many people, but Pepper and uh, Happy are the two, I would say the two people definitely that he appreciates and cares for. So you mess with Happy, you die. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> Essentially. Um, so I like it, the day uh, when, he, when uh, Happy gets a promotion and uh, talking about how there's two like 200% more complaints since you took this position. And he thinks that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, he thinks that's, he thinks that's yeah, a compliment. Um, Love it. So, yeah, we get the the Mandarin stuff. Is it's something to talk about? So, um, this is probably the most divisive thing in this entire movie. Uh, partially, how you view this movie is based on how you respond to the Mandarin storyline. So, let me explain. Mm-hmm. For people that have read the comics. Uh, that know the Mandarin in the comics. I would say a a majority of the people that watch this movie, that know the character, hate this part of the movie. In a lot of ways, this ruins Iron Man 3. I I I have people that I work with, people that have told me I have not watched it since I watched it in theaters because I just hate that aspect of the movie so much. So uh, in the comics, the Mandarin is a terrifying villain. He is absolutely terrifying villain for Tony Stark. And in this movie, um, the Mandarin starts out as this, this terrifying guy, just like he's presented in, in the comics or more or less. And he, he has all these, uh, you know, these videos that he shoots, which are terrifying. And it makes you feel like this guy could attack anywhere in the world. And people are terrified of him. So Tony tracks this guy down, right? And when he stands in front of him with the Iron Man armor, what happens? Oh, well, this guy, uh, man, like, it's so hilarious that he just, like, comes out His name is British. Trevor. His name yes. is Trevor. His name is, like, just it, this British guy. He's, like, this, like, like just, an actor. he's, like, he's, like, the, uh, the British version of, like, a stoner surfer. You know, like somebody who hasn't read the comic books, I enjoyed this. I thought this was smart. Okay, because because you know, even if I had read the comic books, I don't know if I would want. Like, I know it's an iconic character, but we don't want to go page to screen. You got to do something different. I know this is a drastic change, but I think it's smart because no one's expecting it. it. 
and you still have a villain, but it's just he's smartly cloaked and using the Mandarin not just to trick everyone in the film, but everyone who's watching the film. And I think that was a good idea. All right. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Okay. <laughs> so um, for uh, – I'm, I'm really getting in dangerous territory here. But I think that people that dislike the Mandarin storyline in this movie – have a lot in common with the people that had a lot of problems with the latest Star Wars movie. The uh, no, Solo? Not, not the no, not that one. Not the standalone. Um, the Last Jedi. Oh, the Last there Jedi. were a lot of people. There's a lot of Star Wars fans that are highly critical of the Last Jedi, and part of the reason that they dislike it is because the in the script for that for the Last Jedi there was an attempt by Ryan Johnson to uh, subvert expectations, and mm-hmm. For a lot of fans, subverting expectations in and of itself is not a bad thing, but you have to be careful, at least to them, how you go about doing it and in what ways you subvert the expectations. Um, And I think those fans and the fans of the Mandarin in the comics probably have a lot in common in that I think for people that watch this, they hate this because it felt like they got cheated. subverting yeah subverting your expectations just to t- make a twist and as opposed to maybe yes maybe leaning into the mandarin that you know might not be a surprising thing but in their eyes it probably would have created a much more compelling villain yeah. um so I can see basically what they're saying in their hatred of this aspect of the movie. I will say it doesn't bother me that much. Well, let me put it this way. It doesn't bother me as much, but I still am kind of peeved at the, the reveal. And, and let me see why I am peeved. Go for it. The problem here. And it's something that I noticed quite a bit with Iron Man 2, and I talked about it there. This movie suffers from some of the same problems, which is that it's a little too overstuffed. Anytime you are unable to create a highly compelling villain because you have other storylines that are taking time away from that, you probably have an, an issue with your movie. I'm not a massive fan in any way of Aldrich Killian as a villain. Okay. Um, I, I just, like, I think Guy Pierce is great. He, I've seen him act for years, decades now, and he is a really good actor. And I think he does a great job acting in this role. The problem is I don't particularly like the character. I don't like his arc. Is I never, I could never really, honestly, really figure out what his intentions were here. <laughs> what is his purpose? Yes, the extremists. I understand that. Yes, he used it to, you know, heal himself. Fine. Um, there's a little too much of I want to destroy the world for the sake of uh, destroying the world syndrome. Because I was bullied. Right. And it it feels a little too easy. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem is that villains like Loki and Thanos and a handful of other villains uh, in the MCU, they kind of ruin it for a lot of the other villains that we've seen. Especially when you go back and you do rewatches. Aldrich Killian, fine. Hey, you want to create a guy that was uh, kicked around a bit and ignored by Tony Stark? Fine. Is that is that an aspect of his character? Uh, fine, that's great. But you got to build on that, and you got to create something compelling, and you've got to give me more. I felt like I didn't get enough um, real motivation from his character that felt like something I could connect to. So Aldrich Killian for me has never really worked. However. Let's say, for the sake of argument, you would cut Aldrich Killian out of the entire movie and make the Mandarin the actual villain. Don't subvert expectations by making him Trevor and all this stuff. Like, make him the Mandarin, okay? 
and see how this movie would have played out. I, I think that in just that dynamic, if they would have gone that direction, it may not have been surprising, but I believe they could have created a better movie by having a stronger villain because with the Mandarin, there's so much time devoted to setting him up only to cut him down that it takes away from Aldrich and his storyline because you're waiting to do this big reveal. Like, Oh, Hey, you know, just joking. Uh, it's really been Aldrich all, all this time. Problem is we only have, you know, 30 or 40 minutes left in this movie. So you don't have time to dedicate to you know making Aldrich a more compelling villain at that point. So and, and yes, he had help from Maya, you know, who ends up, you know, being bad. She was teaming up with Aldrich and all that stuff. But it it just it all feels a little um un- underwritten. Maya was definitely underwritten. I feel bad for Rebecca Hall. That's one thing that I, I didn't well additional thing I didn't like was that Maya was underwritten as a character. But do you yeah, see where I'm just going with tossed her off. Yeah, do you, but do you see where I'm going with with my critique in terms of the Mandarin and just the I think the lack of I think a dynamic better villain in Aldrich Killian or at least how he was written. I just didn't think that the movie did as well as it could have with a villain because you essentially had a minor villain in Maya, a a, a villain slash non villain in the Mandarin, and then Aldrich Killian. So how are you able to to create a compelling villain out of Aldrich when you don't really have the time to devote to his character like you would otherwise? Yeah, no, I completely understand. Um, It would be interesting to see if they went the more serious, little bit darker route with having him actually be like this monster who's causing all this havoc. Um, I just personally like it this way, but... (laughs) That's just me. Like it got me when I was watching. It's because I never read the comic books. So as somebody who didn't read the comic books, the twist got me. I really wasn't expecting it. So I definitely like it. But if if they went that way, going away with Mandarin just being like the Mandarin as it was in the comic book, I don't know. Like either your fans are going to like love love it, or they're going to be like, "Ugh, you just took it from the pages," and it's still going to have something to complain about. You know, like comic book fans and like the diehard fans, sometimes they aren't ever really happy. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm i not somebody that needs a complete faithful you know, iteration of a character on screen. Um, I, I, in general, I'm, I'm not opposed to what the Mandarin character was or how they undercut. It's not. It won't be such a bad thing if if Aldrich Killian was a really great villain, because you could have you could have done that and uh, undercut his you know the the Mandarin's character and made it funny and like a oh hey we're gonna make a twist here, but if Aldrich would have been a really great villain, and then they would have done this, I think it would have worked better. To me though, what what doesn't work is it doesn't work twofold. Because not only are you taking the air out of the Mandarin character, because you've spent so much time building the Mandarin up as some huge thing to be scared of, you know, this terrorist out there that is willing to kill anybody. Um, once you take the air out of that bag, you realize, oh, it's Aldrich Killian, but you don't have time to be really invested in him, his story. He, st- he feels... Um, thinly written as a character ultimately because of it yeah 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 it's definitely a double-edged sword yeah his character for sure now that being said i will say this um there are some really excellent uh fight sequences in this movie uh the the stuff up in the air on air force one um i thought that was really good i thought that was great uh seeing i think uh don Cheadle was better in this movie much better yes and he is now the uh, uh iron patriot um formerly war machine now the iron patriot so i thought all that stuff was great i i really liked some of those sequences um even the the sequence at the end which was again just a, a big battle sequence but um i felt like there was more at stake there given that pepper was involved um 
Yeah, I'll only say this once, but I liked the role that she played in this movie. <laughs> right, right. So she gets taken by Maya, and then she gets infected with the extremists, which of course is the the thing that uh, caused people's bodies to overheat and explode. But of course, hers doesn't um, because she's Pepper Potts. Right. Yeah, we can't have that. Otherwise, you know, exactly. Tony would be heartbroken. Um. Too bad. <laughs> right, but but I will say, you know, I think it allowed it allowed Pepper to have a stronger role she, yeah, than just being like his side. Yeah, or damsel thing. in distress kind yeah. of thing, which they were trying not to lean into if possible. Uh, so that was good. Uh, you know, but in terms, like I said, in terms of the script, I think it's it's a good script. It, look, and it's funny. It is is a funny script. It yeah. really is. I mean. Look, I might have problems with the the Trevor reveal, but that was a funny moment. Even though I I think it came at the expense of some other stuff, I will say that I I am not against the twist, and it is hilarious to see Ben Ben Kingsley act <laughs> like that. It, it's like a British stoner type person. It's just it's brilliant, and uh, he it's amazing how good he is at comedy. Yeah, you know, because you never get to see him do that. Uh, but in general, I think Shane Black, of course, you know, wrote The Predator. He wrote Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon Two. He wrote uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, and yes, yes, he did write the recent Predator movie, which was garbage. But um, yeah, but the the humor I thought here was was pretty good, and uh, there was a lot of one liners from Tony, which really worked. And it wasn't just him; it was other characters that did manage to be pretty funny at times um yeah overall look i, I think that it's, it's a good script uh overall i think there are issues with it but um and another thing too i didn't particularly care for this movie when i walked out of the theater i didn't uh, i didn't particularly like it. it took you like a while to come around to it you know there was um I'll probably mention this on more than one occasion, so I'll apologize in advance. Uh, but I was in college. Obviously, this is years ago. Um, and I was sitting with some friends. And we had like this – I wouldn't call him a friend. I would call him more of an acquaintance. Um, he would sit with us sometimes and he would talk about movies and games and stuff. But he was kind of quiet, so he would only really talk when he really had something he felt like he needed to say. Otherwise, he was quiet. He would just kind of sit and listen to everybody else talk. Gotcha. And one of the things that he said to me, and I I have agreed with it more and more every year since he said it, is this. He said, no movie should ever be reviewed until it's been out for a year. Yeah. In fact, he said, I would be more willing to listen to somebody who hasn't uh, reviewed the movie until it's been out for five years. Because when you first watch a movie and you review it immediately, he said it, it needs time to marinate in your brain. You need to be able to really think about it and draw some conclusions. And the reviews that you get oftentimes, they don't have, they don't have the time to really devote to it what they need to in order to really review the movie properly and remove yourself from having just seen it in the hype around it and what everyone else is saying, let all that stuff die down And a year later or five years later, you finally review the movie. And it makes sense because, you know, I walked out of the theater. I was not particularly happy with this and jump ahead about three years. And I remember watching it. Uh, yeah. About what? 2016. And I thought, well, you know, actually this is better than I remembered. And then I watched it a couple of weeks ago and you know what is even better than when I watched it in 2016. So it's a better movie. It seems like every time I watch it. Yeah. Like it, apparently it's like wine. It ages well. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And it's true. Like I, I completely agree with what he, what that guy said about, um, you know, waiting five years, one to five years. Like it's so true. Like, um, Oh, what was I thinking of? That was, I was talking with a, a friend at work um, about Hereditary, mm. and you know, we loved it when we came out, and I still love it. Not gonna mm -hmm. first off, but that was a movie that even today, as I reflect on it, 
I draw new conclusions and think of it like it's developed in my mind over time. And I have a deeper appreciation for it now than I did when I first saw it. And even when I first saw it, I thought it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And that's a movie that's just like same thing, like wine. It's getting better with age. Yeah. Some movies um, you'll look at a few years after you watch it and you'll have a lesser opinion of them. And some movies will grow in stature after a few years. So it just, it happens. And I feel like, you know, it's uh, something that we have to remember uh, that after a movie's out and the, and the hype has all been died down and, uh, you know, it basically it recedes, you know, into the background with all the other movies that have come out in the past. Uh, it gives you a chance to really watch it without everybody else hyping it up or talking about how great it is. And that might influence your own decision, even if you don't want it to, um, or you might have a, a negative reaction to it only to come back and see that it's a better movie. Like I did. And by the way, um, we got in this conversation at work because the guy who made hereditary, the, I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, but the person who made hereditary is made another movie that's coming out this summer. I think it's called Midsummer or something like that, mm-hmm. but it looks terrifying i'll have to link you the yeah. trailer but it is just like she showed me it at work i'm like holy shit i don't know if i can watch this in theater <laughs> yeah so um you know in this movie in the script one of the things that tony is dealing with is you know who he is is he iron man who is he without the suit and i feel like the movie does a pretty good job of kind of addressing that at the end of the movie you know they he he saved well Pepper saves him. Pepper kills Aldrich Killian. And um, then Tony destroys all of the Iron Man suits as a, a show of dedication. Yeah. The Pepper. Pepper. And mm-hmm. ultimately, in voiceover at the end, he says that he, you know, he basically is Iron Man, but that it doesn't require the suit to be Iron Man. So, and he gets the shrapnel taken out of his, of his heart. So he and no longer right. He doesn't need the arc reactor anymore. So um, I I think that this movie as a trilogy camper is actually pretty good. It yes. it really rounds off his story at least up to this point. And if Tony or if uh, if Robert Downey Jr. had say exited it at this point, um, from all the MCU movies, I think it would have been a great you know, send off to his character. Yeah. Obviously it would have been a good yeah. way to wrap it. Right. But obviously we have more and all that, but still, it's still effective. And I, I do like, even now knowing that there's more story to tell, they did, you know, find a way to really take his character and give him a journey. And they've done that with each movie. I, I, even with Iron Man two, which I thought had a ton of problems, I could see the story they were trying to tell and giving him problems to deal with. Yeah, and, demons of his own. Yeah, demons, uh, demons of his own, and, and everything. So, this is actually you know a good arc in this movie, and I, and I do enjoy it. So, uh, Sarah, what is your grade for the script? Oh Lord, what did I give it? Um, script, I gave an eighty-four, and we've definitely just talked off about this, but I think it's definitely a vast improvement over Iron Man Two. Yeah, it did a lot of things well. Um, you know made a really fleshed out storyline, had a few twists, good dialogue and everything like that. So I think it definitely deserves the 84. Okay. Um, I gave it an 82. So pretty close. close. Uh, <laughs> you know, pretty much, you know, echoing what you said and, and I've been talking about it. So it's like I said, fast improvement on the second Iron Man movie and that script. Definitely. Uh, it does have some problems. Uh, I, I don't think it's maybe as successful as it could have been in certain areas, but overall uh, this is a good script. So. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about acting. So the performances, any standout performances in this movie and look, yes, obviously always Robert. Robert, Robert's always a standout performance. Um, Don't care. He just is, you know, (laughs) he is synonymous with this role and there's a reason for that. End of story. So totally. Uh but then, you know, whether you like the the twist or not, Ben Kingsley is 
Sir Ben Kingsley for a reason. Awesome. The guy is an absolute master at his craft and he is phenomenal. In fact, you know, everybody in this movie does a really good job. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say they're all standouts, but they do better than average directing here. Uh, they are, everyone's brought their A game. Everyone is trying hard to make this movie as good as it can be. And you can tell. I could tell. I mean, I, I gave the acting in 86. I thought that the acting Dang. was was really good. I, I felt like it was definitely the best acting overall. I think that maybe this was Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance as Iron Man in this movie. And as yeah. you know, Tony Stark. Definitely Tony Stark since Iron Man doesn't show up all that much in this movie. It's mostly just Tony Stark dealing with his shit. Exactly. And that's it does interesting to do too. It's like, you know, we've had two two movies of very Iron Man heavy. It's nice to switch up a bit and actually look at the man more than just like the man in the suit. <laughs> right. Exactly. So what is your grade? Um, for acting I gave an eighty three. Uh I pretty much agree with everything you said and even this like this movie is one movie that I actually liked Gwyneth Paltrow's acting and that's the only time I'm gonna say that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. and then her acting was good and um but yeah, everybody else is just like everyone's top notch and, and while Guy Pierce kinda of bugged me at times, it's not due to really his acting, it's more due to like the character itself. Yeah. Um well, so eighty three. Yeah, that's Part of the knockdown for the script, I think, is just that yeah. Aldrich killing the, some of the dialogue was really, really good in this movie or in this movie and in, in the script. And I think some of the dialogue was not really as good yeah. as it could have been. And I think Aldrich killing, it, it just still comes down to being, an, uh, to me, an, an underwritten character, yeah. which is a problem. So. Agreed. All right. So, special effects here. Um, I thought the special effects were excellent uh 87 for me i think they really uh were just great uh they knew when to do the special effects i the uh the extremis patients all the people i mean some people like how that looks some people don't uh some people looks a little fake i kind of am in the middle there on it i think it could have looked a little better but it still looks pretty awesome though overall and the suits look good you know yeah they look amazing so yeah look i, I think that the special effects are, are pretty excellent uh so an 87 for me yeah no special effects are seem to really be awesome with iron man movies and that's definitely no change here i mean all the effects are really great um I do agree a bit though that the the lighting of the the effect is definitely it it can look weird in like the darker lighting. It just kind of makes it look a little more fake, but it's not a big deal. Um, overall, the special effects are really amazing. Um, I wish they made a maybe used a little bit less special effects at times, but I I understand all the same. Um, so I gave it eighty three. Okay. Uh, pacing. So uh, the pacing I thought in this movie was was actually good. Yeah, the, the fast improvement it, over Iron Man Two. It, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that was a problem that I had a problem with in the second movie didn't exist here. First of all, Shield, like they get barely a mention in this movie. Yeah, um, I bet John Favreau was like, "Why couldn't I have that?" Right, like, why could you guys leave me alone and just make my movie? Thanks. Didn't I prove myself in the first Iron Man movie? Why do you guys have to be like looking over my shoulder now when I proved myself first time around? So stop touching my stuff. It's never made any <laughs> sense to me. Like, how can you? How can a director be like awesome and and create this big great movie and then you didn't care so much about it then, but now suddenly you do care. So now you're. You, know, you staring, want to change it. Like, that yeah, makes sense. Staring over his shoulder, it's like, well, yeah, look, if he'd done, like, a mediocre job, then fine. But he did a great job with Iron Man 1. Just leave the guy alone. But it didn't happen, so that's partially to blame, I think, for the second movie. But this movie, uh, Sheen Black, more or less, for the most part, did exactly what he wanted to do. And uh, this movie zips along. 
it has yeah, a, it does. It has a steady pace. It um, it just goes from one set piece set piece to the next, and it just moves. And uh, I think the the way in which the story unfolds and the rate in which we get the information expository information is done quite well and it's done at a, a nice steady pace steady rhythm so overall this really works for me i i gave the pacing an 85 nice uh, i agree with everything you said and there's lots of things i really like about the pacing is that yeah it moves really well and then like you have these moments like when he went with the kid and you know you're talking a lot with him it's it's slowed down a lot of people have said it's like, you know, it's like the stopping point in the movie that stops the pace, but I totally disagree. I think it was a great moment to just breathe, have something, you learn some information, have some funny moments, and kind of have this, like, funny friendship. And I think it's fantastic. I think it really adds to the pacing. Um, so I gave it 87. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, having those choir scenes doesn't necessarily mean it destroys the pacing. It, it depends exactly. on where those are coming in the story. Um, because it's, it's when it suddenly pulls the story down and it takes away from, uh, where it should be going and the rate at which the story is unfolding, you know, slowing it down for a minute isn't a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily ruin it. It just, it, you know, if it went on forever, took like forever, then yeah, it may have ruined a bit of that pacing. But, uh, in this case, I feel like the movie just kind of moves in a nice, like deliberate pace and uh, it really works yeah definitely agree all right so uh rewatchability for me was a 78 so uh for me this movie it, it's got its positives and, and a lot of them it's got a, it's got some negatives which I, I don't like um i will watch this movie over iron man 2 of um it's definitely a, a good trilogy capper it's not my favorite, obviously, I still consider this to be more of a mid-tier overall MCU movie. But uh, that being said, it's still a better than solid superhero movie. Yeah, agreed. Did um, my rewatchability is eighty-five, and it because I think like it's it's something easy to watch and that I think is exciting, and I have a good time watching it. But did we skip over directing? I may have. I don't think we touched on it. Of course, I would. I would be the one that would do that. Uh, <laughs> so sorry if you're listening to this. You're like, hey, you guys didn't uh, do directing. So yeah, we could talk about Shane. <laughs> okay, so directing. Uh, let's get to that before we uh, wrap up. Uh, yeah, look, I think Shane Black. I gave it an eighty-four. Um, I think Shane Black did a good job here. I think he really nailed a nice look. John Favreau does does a great job. Always. Uh, and everything, his stuff is, is really good. But Shane Black is not an inexperienced director. And given a good budget like he had, which is $200 million, I think he was able to really do some fantastic things. There are some, some nice shots. Uh, the, the scene where um, his uh, home was attacked on the cliff, mm-hmm. um, really standout uh, sequence there. Very well shot. Uh, one of the things I liked in this was there was actually some nice wide shots when the the action was going like so, uh, there's this thing where you see a lot of directors they get in so close on all the fight scenes and there was some of that but there was also there was also a lot of wide shots where we were able to actually see what was going on like the fighting you know not just like someone's arm hitting someone's head but you don't even you can't see right. what's going on really all that well um but he does a great job here i love the color palette um, i think it looks sharp it's got muted color palette, obviously. It's not drab or, or just, you know, kind of grimy. It's uh it's just got a darker color palette, which kind of matches the the Shane Black, it's Christmas, uh dark Christmas tone that he likes. So uh overall this really worked for me in terms of a director and uh I gave it yeah, I gave it an eighty five. Yeah, no, I think you did a really good job, especially, you know, Iron Man 2 was just kind of a bit muddled and, you know, for him to take that and, you know, progress to this movie and make it seem very, you know, seamless and to produce this story and 
for everything just to feel like it belonged and connected. I thought that was you know, a really well-executed way he went about doing this. And a lot of the shots are really awesome. Um, I, I, I love the shot where, you know, Pepper kills um, uh, Aldridge and she's just like glowing. I think that's fantastic. Uh, even though she's in yoga outfit, I don't know why. <laughs> but I thought that was an awesome scene. Also, you know, there's a lot of really great shots. And I will just, I'll keep talking about the scene with the kid because I think it was just fantastic. Um, it, it's one of those things that you don't, it, if you took it out of you know, this friendship, they would, it would take away nothing from the movie, but it adds something that it's there. And I think that's a really great choice. Um, I gave directing an 86. Yeah. You know, uh, this was uh, a movie that when it was over, you got the indication. I, I mean, I remember there was some trepidation that, uh, Rob Denny Jr. was going to be done, done. You yeah, know, I remember that. And people were like, "Oh no, what's going to happen?" You know, we got all these get phase two going here, and and we were kind of on, uh, you know, alert for the to you know hearing him say, "Hey, you know, it's been a great run, but uh, I'm I'm definitely done now." So, adios. But to his credit, what he what he came to decide was, "Look, I'm not going to do any more Iron Man movies, but I will be in these other MCU movies." And uh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Good compromise. And I think it really ended up being the right choice. You know, I don't think that I don't think he needs it, you know. Exactly. uh, I think it definitely worked. So anyway. um, All right. So uh, we're going to go over the grades here real quick and I'll, I'll kind of just run down through them um, again for script I gave an 82 you gave an 84 uh, overall grade is an 83 acting I gave an 86 you gave an 83 so the overall grade is an 84 uh, directing I gave an 84 you gave an 86 so the overall grade is an 85 special, uh, special effects I gave an 87 you gave an 83 so it's an 85 Pacing is 85 for me, 87 for you, with an overall grade of an 86. And rewatchability is a 78. You gave it an 85, so the overall grade is an 81. Oddly enough, we both came out to the same grade. <laughs> That's awesome. We both came out to an 85, so look at that. Guess what the score is. <laughs> 85. So Yes. Yep. I think that deserves it. And definitely 85 is... I think is very fair for this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's probably a little higher than I thought it was going to be. Honestly, I, I was thinking it was probably more like an eighty-two, uh, maybe an eighty-three, but uh, but you know, an eighty-five is is pretty good. Um, like I said, it it's a good script. There's a lot to like here, a lot more to like than than to dislike, at least in my opinion. Yes. And I was surprised at at how much I like it now, as opposed to when it came out. You know. Uh, five four six no yeah six years ago when it came out i was just underwhelmed and now i'm like oh it's great it's wonderful so definitely all right everyone uh if you'd like to contact us uh sarah how can they get a hold of us uh you can send us an email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com or reach out to us on twitter at freakgeeksmedia um either one will you know get to us <laughs> it's true Yep. Either way, you know, you can go to the <laughs> website as a contact form as well. You can go to our website, freakinggeeks.com. You can find the page for this review and you can rate and review the movie just like we do based on the yeah. same, same criteria. So, and you can leave, you know, comments as well. So, you know, go ahead and check that out. Um, if you'd like, go to patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks you can also you know, support uh support us and what we do and uh that would be great if you'd yes. like to do that so all right everyone uh thanks for listening to our review of iron man 3 and tune in next week as we review yet another marvel movie in our re- in our uh, lead up to uh, avengers endgame so look out for that and until next time thank you for listening and uh audio sarah say bye bye geeks All right. See ya.
Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.